0: Hey, thanks for listening to the CMC podcast. My name is Noah Tice and I'm the media director here at CMC. And before we get into our message, I just wanted to plug our young adult ministry, Applied Life Leaders Academy you've been listening to us for any amount of time, you'll know that CMC is always about the next generation of leaders. And so Applied Life Leaders Academy has been a major part of our mission for over 37 years. As an alumni of the program, I can tell you that if you know a young person with a call of leadership on their life, who has a desire to grow in their personal purpose and ministry, Applied Life is a perfect fit. And for more information, visit AppliedLife.com and follow us on all social media platforms at Applied Life Leaders Academy. And now for a sermon by Pastor Paul Kerr. Well, I'm excited. I'm going to be talking about faith-filled prayer today. So go in your Bibles to 1 Kings, and you're going to be going to chapter 18. And while you are going to 1 Kings chapter 18, I'll lay a little groundwork. You know, we've been talking so much this year about faith, and that's really the vision for us this year. So we're going to cover a lot of topics on this Um, But we all know the main component of prayer is rooted in intimacy, you know. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, the way to what? Well, the way to the Father. The truth, what truth? God's truth. That's the only truth that there is, right? Life is found in a relationship with the Father. So Jesus has given us access to that. So that's really the, the, the core of prayer. And Jesus is the door that we gain access uh, into, the God, into God's throne room. And in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us how to pray. And Now, that's just a model prayer, right? You know, when I was growing up in the Methodist church and, um, with my grandparents, you know, that was a prayer that we memorized, and we prayed that prayer every Sunday. Our Father who are out in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Can't, you know, we prayed that, that prayer, and we memorized, but really... That wasn't really meant to be a prayer that you memorize, it's, it's meant to be a prayer that is a model of what prayer ought to look like. In other words, your prayer life ought to contain all of the facets of what this prayer uh, talks about. And Jesus starts out saying what? Our Father who art in heaven, help me, hallowed would be your name, or holyized. In other words, we magnify God, we praise God, we give God thanks, we give him glory, uh, for what he's done in our life. And that's, that's the first thing that happens. And then it goes on to talk about so many things about like your kingdom and your will being done on earth. And it talks about God's provision in our life. And it talks about forgiving our enemies and asking for forgiveness of our shortcomings. So it's a model prayer. And so all of these facets, facets of prayer are very, very important Um, And as a result of what Jesus has done for us, he has given us access to God, our Father, who has a kingdom of unlimited resources. Now, here on earth, we have limited resources. We all have a limited amount of money, a limited amount of time, a limited amount of everything because we live in this world. But in God's kingdom, it is unlimited. That's why it says, you know, that scripture, God has cattle on a thousand hills, Right. So that, that's a lot of cattle and a lot of hills. And that just represents the fact that, you know, God is a, a very rich rancher and he has a lot of livestock and provision for us as his children. And so so much can be covered in the to- topic of prayer. I mean, there's tons of things that we can teach on prayer. And maybe we'll do that later this year. I don't know. We'll see. Um, But I want to talk specifically about what does it look like to pray a faith-filled prayer, specifically. And this is what I want to target in on this morning. And we're going to use this 1 Kings chapter 18 to do that. Um, It's, you know, Scripture says you have not because you what? You ask not. So don't let anybody ever make you feel bad about asking God for things, you know, I've had a couple of people in my lifetime really, I mean, kind of tried to make me feel bad because I was asking God for things in my life. and it's like, you shouldn't ask God for stuff. You should just give God thanks for everything that He's given you and done for you. and the fact that you've been saved is all that you need. Well, I totally agree with all of that. I'm 100 percent in agreement with every bit of that, except it's not biblical not to ask God for things because God wants us to ask. And I don't have time to cover all of these scriptures, but one of them is you have not because you ask not. Now, then he goes on to say, but when you ask, you ask amiss, and then you don't receive what you're asking for. And so there, there is a way to pray, heart motive, mind motive. There is a procedure in prayer not to make it like, you know, to make it rigid or religious. That's not what I'm talking about because, once again, it all goes back to intimacy. And it's fun to pray. And it's work to pray. <laughs> Both. Um, but, but we have to pray in faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. Yeah. That's good. Faith is, is the way we do transactions with God in His kingdom. So it's so important that we recognize that if we're going to have interaction with God in prayer, that it's going to have to be faith-filled prayer, okay? So specifically, what does that look like? And, and let, me, let me say this before I get into this. You know, we, we all face hard things, you know. Our Eric, our stage host, was talking about how he's got some friends and family members that are facing some difficult things, and, and we all do in this life. And sometimes we face really hard things, like things that are overwhelming, things that bring lots of tears and sorrow and heartache into our life. And, and I want you to understand that God's touched by our tears. God sympathizes with our weaknesses and, and the things that happen to us in our life, and, and He loves us. But I also want you to understand that God is not moved to answer by our tears. He is moved to answer by our faith. That's what moves God. So it's important that we understand, okay, what does a faith-filled prayer look like? All right, so I'm going to be talking about Elijah, and Elijah is a representative of faith. I mean, pretty much everything that Elijah did, he did in faith. And um, if you read the whole book of Elijah, and I encourage you to do that, because when you die and get to heaven, he's gonna ask you, did you read my book? And you, you don't wanna stumble around that, that question. Um, but we also know that Elijah was a man of prayer. Uh, from a very young age, he prayed a lot. And so his life is really a signature model of what a praying person looks like. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41, We kind of come in on the tail end of an event that just took place. And so let me give you a little context here. Um, Most of you know about the showdown on Mount Carmel, you know, Elijah's facing all of these false prophets of Baal. And basically what God had told his people as they, you know, in Deuteronomy, he said, listen, you know, when you go into this good land that I'm giving you, don't forget the Lord your God. Don't put other gods before me. Don't worship idols. Don't worship the bells of these other nations. Because if if you'll honor me and you'll put me first, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to bless you. I'll bless you with the early and late rains. I'll make sure that you don't have any miscarriages when your cattle have their babies. When you plant your gardens, I'll make sure that the pestilence don't eat up your food or, you know, like your fruit trees, the fruit won't fall off too soon or whatever. God, God says, I'm gonna bless what you do, but you gotta keep me first. That's the most important thing is you put me first and you honor me as God. Don't put all these other gods there. Well, Israel over a series of several hundred years didn't listen, they've been absorbed into the culture, they've become like the world, and now they're doing the very thing that God told them not to do. And they're, you know, they're in a real mess. Well, Elijah knew that God said that. So if you go over to James chapter five, James is talking about Elijah, and James says this, he says, Elijah was a man just like us. He was a person just like us. Because I think a lot of times when we read the Bible, sometimes we think like they're super human or something, but they weren't. There's normal everyday people with flaws and weaknesses and strengths and giftings just like all of us. So he, he knew what God said to his people. If you do this, I'll do this. If you don't do this, then I'm not going to do this for you. And so Elijah knew that. So what Elijah did is God said... You don't do right, I'm shutting up the heavens. So what he he said, God, here's what you said. I'm praying, no rain. And James chapter five says that it didn't rain. As a matter of fact, it didn't rain for three and a half years. So we're coming in on that scenario where it has not rained for three and a half years. Now just imagine we go in the summer, like two months without rain, and we're like, wow, we're in serious trouble. Just imagine what it would be like, Mm, three and a half years of no rain rain. So they had this big showdown. It's pretty funny, the, the whole story that takes place. I don't have time to read it. I encourage you to go read it this week. It's really pretty hysterical. He makes fun of these people. Um, you know, they start doing all kinds of crazy stuff to get their gods to answer. But the bottom line is, their gods God's own answer. Jehovah God does answer. He consumes, the, and then the the sacrifice on the altar, and then Elijah has all of these false bells and these fault I mean all these false prophets and worshippers of Baal put to death. So now this has happened. And this is where we come in, verse 41. Now Ahab is this evil king, and Elijah says to him, Go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Now it hadn't rained for three and a half years, right? So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. This is earnest prayer, right? And then he said to his servant, go and look out toward the sea. Servant went and looked. and He returned to Elijah and said, sorry, boss, don't see anything. Well, Elijah told him to go look again. And he went and looked and came back, nothing. And again, And he came back, nothing. And again, and again, and again. And seven times, he kept telling me, go back, go back, go back, go back, go look, go look again, look again, look again, look again. And on the seventh time, um, his servant came back and I don't know if he told him this because he was just scared to tell him that he didn't see anything or if he actually did see something, but he said, I better come up with something. And so he says, okay, I saw a cloud about the size of a man's hand rising up out of the sea. Okay, let's think about that. So, the curvature of the earth, the ocean, and I see a cloud the size of a man's hand way off in the distance. In other words, this is not a big cloud. It's a huge blue sky, and there's a little bitty cloud a long ways off, that's what I see. Now, watch Elijah's response he yells, hurry up. Go tell Ahab, climb into your chariot and get back home. If you don't hurry, the rain is going to stop you. Now, I've never been urgent. When I saw a cloud the size of a man's hand, miles and miles off, I was never had any sense of urgency that it was going to rain on me. You know, I'm, it's like dark clouds, lightning, thunder. Okay, take cover. But you know, I'm thinking, let's go to the lake. Let's have a day. You know, <laughs> a little cloud like that. It's a good day. Not not according to Elijah. And it says, as soon as the sky, and soon the sky was black with clouds. Verse 45. And a heavy wind brought terrific rainstorm. And Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. And the Lord gave a special ability to strengthen Elijah, he tucked his cloak into his belt and he outran Ahab's chariot and his horses all the way back. And I was just thinking back when I was young, y'all remember the $600 million, the $6 million man outrunning stuff? I just, I don't know. Some of y'all are like, no, we don't know what you're talking about. <clears throat> well, YouTube it. It's on there. It was kind of a cool show back in the day. Now it's really not cool at all, but It was really cool (laughs) at (laughs) one time. Our special effects were very special. Let me just tell you. Woo! So I want to just highlight a few things here based off of the interaction that Elijah had with his servant here and what was taking place, okay? As a matter of fact, I want to give you six things of what a faith-filled prayer looks like. Number one. Faith prays earnestly, based on God's Word, to bring an answer. Faith prays earnestly, based on God's Word, to bring an answer. Now, there are many promises in Scripture, and many of those we've been given access to. By virtue of our relationship with Jesus, He is, you know, the heir of all things, And through Him, we are co-heirs, amen, through Christ. So that means we have been given access, right? Now, when you read Scripture or a promise in the Word, here's what I want you to understand. Just because you read it, just because you believe it, doesn't mean it's going to automatically happen. It's important that we understand this because this is an important aspect of prayer. What it does mean, though, is you have the right and the authority through Christ to bring God's will, his promise, before him into his throne room and say, God, here's what you said. I remember when I was growing up, my boys. But, Dad, you said. You said. Okay, well, you know, you you get called on your word. You got to do it. You gotta fulfill it. And God is not a man that he would lie, right? That's what the scripture says. God's not say he's gonna do something and then lie about it. God's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said it, shall he not do it? Has he not spoken it, will it not come to pass? Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of the Lord will remain forever. Just as the waters come and water the earth and produce seed, so will my word produce my fruit, right? That's what the scripture says. Now, verse 42, Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed on top of Mount Carmel. He bowed low to the ground. He prayed with his face between his knees, and he began to pray. God, here's what you said in Deuteronomy. Here's what you said you would do. I pray that the heavens will be shut according to your will, and the heavens were shut. Now I'm praying because the people have repented. The bells have been put to death, Things have been made right. Now, God, I'm asking you to send the rains like you promised, right? That's what he did. Uh, Another good example would be in Daniel chapter nine. If you wanna wanna go there, you can. Daniel chapter nine, uh, verse one through three. So Daniel, he's reading through scripture one day. So it was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede and uh, the son of, I don't know how to pronounce that, You just make up whatever name you want to put there. Uh, Who became king of the Babylonians during the first year of his reign? I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord. Everybody say, reading the word of the Lord. And as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded with him in prayer and fasting And I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. Okay, once again, this is earnest prayer. This isn't a little diddly-what. You're not just like, oh God, you know, whatever. This isn't like between television shows during a commercial, you throw something up. This guy's seeking God. Now go down to verse 18. It says, oh my God, lean down and listen, open your eyes, see our despair, see our city. It bears your name, it lies in ruins. We make this plea, not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. O Lord, hear, forgive, listen, act. For your own sake, don't delay. O my God, for your people in your city, bear your name. Now, God's people had been in captivity for 70 years. Daniel was reading in the Word. It said after 70 years, their captivity would come to an end. So what'd Daniel do? God, you said, right here in your Word, that it's the end of 70 years, and so, God, I'm bringing your word before you, what you said, here's what you said, and so he prayed it. And guess what? They they were delivered of their captivity. So it didn't automatically happen. And this is why I'm saying, you know, the first thing that we do in prayer is we pray earnestly and we pray God's word, and then we activate See, that's that currency. Y'all see that? That's the currency of heaven. We activate the opportunity for God to move in our situation. All right, the second thing that a prayer of faith looks like, faith remains strong when there is no evidence. I'm going to say that again. Faith remains strong when there is no evidence. All right, go back to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 42 and 43. Ahab went up to eat and drink. He's doing his thing. Elijah climbed on top of the mountain. He began to pray earnestly, put his head between his knees. <clears throat> and then, verse 43, he said to his servant, Go look out toward the sea. The servant went and looked, and he returned, and he said, I didn't see anything. Nothing. Have you ever prayed and saw nothing? I have. Have you ever like called out to God and you got zero results? I have. I'm just going to be honest with you. I wish, to, you know, that I could say that isn't the case. But I, and I'm going to develop this for you and give you a reason why it isn't the case. There is a reason that there isn't the case, and it's a very good reason. But we've all prayed and we've all looked around and, and we saw nothing. And this is why our vision this year is the just shall live by faith. That is why you must have faith. See, faith believes when you have no evidence that you have received anything from God. He believed, and his belief was reflected in his actions because he said, go again. He didn't say, well, I guess it's just not God's will. Oh, well, I, you know. See, our faith has to, rem- so literally, you know, we talk about Hebrews chapter 11, faith is the what? Substance of things hoped for is the evidence of things we cannot nothing. So faith literally becomes a substance. It's what I stand on. It's my evidence when I can't see. How do I know? Because of my faith. See, that's what faith does for us. That's why it says it's impossible to please God without faith, without that kind of trust. See, that's what God's talking about here. So our faith has to remain strong when we are petitioning the Lord and we get the answer of nothing. Nothing, no answer. I don't see anything, right? All right, let's go on, number three, the third element. Faith sees what our natural eye cannot see. And this is so important that we learn this. Faith sees what our natural eye cannot see. When Elijah's servant returned, he said, there was nothing, no cloud, no rain, nothing. That did not deter Elijah's faith in that it was going to rain. He knew it was going to rain. James 5, 17 and 18. Elijah was as human as we are, right? Just a person. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then he prayed again and the sky sent down rain on the earth and began to yield its crops. How did he do that? Well, like I said, he knew what God had said. He stood on what God had said by faith. He earnestly continued to pray. In other words, this year, we want to encourage you to put on your goggles of faith. See your circumstances through the lens of faith. Don't look at it at face value. You know, you, you put on a pair of blue sunglasses, a pair of red sunglasses, it changes the way you see things, right? Things look differently as you look through those glasses. Well, faith for a believer, when we look through the goggles of faith, all of our circumstances and our situations in life look different because we are people of faith. So when you walk, that's why it says, the just shall live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. What is the opposite of sight? Oftentimes people say, I mean, what is the opposite of faith? Oftentimes people say fear, but the opposite of faith is sight. Because what happens is when we look through the lens of our natural eye, we limit miracles. We literally rule out miracles because in the natural realm, miracles don't happen. See, the only way that miracles take place is there's gonna have to be interference from the supernatural realm into the natural realm. And once again, faith is the currency by which those transactions from planet Earth to planet heaven take place. It can't happen without faith. So literally, if you have doubt and unbelief and hesitancy and being over-cautious, all of those things, literally what they do is they choke out the opportunity for miracles to take place in your life. And that's why God says, look, you got to focus on my word. You got you to keep those goggles on. And, 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 and here's what I think lots of times we do. We start out with our goggles on. And then when it gets real intense and we don't start seeing the results, we take them off. Well, Judas messed up. You know, there, you know the and this is kind of it can kind of sound cliche because we use this so many many times, but you know when Jesus was on the water, and the guys were in the boat, and you know it, you know it's wavy. I don't really I don't really picture it the way that I've seen it on television. You know it says the sea was turned up. So I don't see Jesus just standing out there and there's like calmness all around him. I, I mean, there's, Jesus is out there, but the sea is up. And, and Peter gets out and that was really, really hard. And Peter, when he initially made that decision to step out of that boat into that stormy water, I can promise you his eyes were on Jesus. But somewhere between the point of getting out of the boat and getting to Jesus, he took his eyes off, he took those goggles off, and then he began to sink. And it wasn't until he reconnected with Jesus, and I can just see Jesus reaching down and pulling him up, and they make eye contact, and he's like, come on, Peter, right? This is the way we've gotta be in prayer. Faith sees what the natural eye cannot see, amen? Number four, the fourth element to a prayer of faith is faith always says go again faith always says go again verse 43 seven times seven times go again go again go again go again no rain no rain no rain no rain listen faith is determined it is determined faith doesn't take no for an answer faith says i'm not giving up Now, it's one thing to pray for something for 30 minutes. It's another thing to pray for something for 30 years. Right? And then it's something altogether different to pray for something for 20 years. But sometimes that's the kind of faith you have to have. See, when we get a promise from God, we have to fight the good fight of faith. To see that promise come to pass in our life. Now, God may not answer when you want him to, and most of the time he doesn't. And God may not answer how you expect him to, and most of the time he doesn't. And God may not answer the way that you think he should. And most of the time, at least from my experience, he hasn't. But as we persevere in intercession, it strengthens our resolve. Now, that, when you start talking about resolve, and you start talking about tenacity, and you start talking about discipline, these are powerful, life-changing components. For example, tenacity. And that's an element, Earn- earnestly. Resiliently, with tenacity, you pray. Because, you know, some some situations, there's some big demons holding that back. I'm not talking about little, I'm talking about there's some big, ugly, dark, stronghold forces holding back your answer. And so when you think about tenacity, you know, tensile strength is where that word comes from. And tensile strength is how they measure steel and its ability not to break under pressure. The greater the tensile strength of steel, the greater its ability not to break under pressure. Well, the only way that you get metal to a place to do that is through transformation. You literally have to change the molecules of the metal to increase the tensile strength, and that is done through fire. And specifically, and I don't have time to talk about all this, but you ought to YouTube it. It's really, really interesting stuff, especially when you compare it to spiritual things. But God's got to get your tensile strength up. If you don't get a backbone of steel, life will plow over you. Listen, life is hard if you've lived, if you're 20 years old in this room or older, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It, it's not easy. you got to be tough. But what God will do is, is He will help make you tough. Now, God's not slow in keeping His Word. He's not slow in fulfilling His promises. But, but just think about it. If every time that we prayed, God instantly answered our prayer and gave us everything that we asked for, what kind of people would we be? Weak, spoiled. I mean, weak as water. Probably entitled. We would come to expect without any effort on our part that we were going to get it. Well, God's not a horrible, awful, evil father. He is a good father. And because our father is good, our father isn't going to give us what we ask for every time we ask for it. No, because he's about growing his children into mature spiritual adults who become warriors, prayer warriors, Listen, everything that I've ever been through has never been wasted. And in your life, you may be facing something really, really hard right now, and it may seem really unfair, and it, and it could possibly be unfair. But here's what you've got to understand. For we know that our God turns everything that is meant for our, for our destruction to our good. That's what God does. Because we have a good father. Now, you may be in a situation where you can't see that right now. And I've been in situations where I can't see that. But guess what? That's why God gives us faith. See, that's our substance and our evidence that we stand on until we can see that and understand that revelation. See, faith knows God's word is in action all the time. God doesn't sleep. God doesn't slumber. God's faithful to do that. All right, number five, faith believes with just a little evidence. Faith believes with just a little evidence. Verse 44, the seventh time his servant came back, said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Elijah's servants went, came back. Okay, after several trips, I I do see a tiny little cloud. That's all I see. And, And sometimes it's very difficult to believe and pray when you have just such a small amount of hope to hang on to things don't look good, they're not promising, you got a bad report, you know, you're facing difficult situations, it just really, there's just not a lot to grab hold of. But, but faith grabs hold of when there's just a small inclination that God can move. And this is what Elijah did. And there's gonna be many times in life that you have very little in the natural to lean on or to believe on. Just, you know, I've had people say, well, it doesn't look good. It just doesn't look good. But when Elijah heard that there was a little tiny cloud the size of a man's hand, I want you to look at the disposition of a person of faith. Go tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot before the rain stops you. That's, that's it. Faith as a mustard seed. Just a little bit. You know, you gotta gotta believe for big results, big outcomes. You know, what what makes it such a miracle is when you've got such a little possibility of something big happening, and then it does, guess who is gonna get the credit? God. You know God did that. I mean, and I have so many moments in my life, and I say, I've had these, Tim and I've had these conversations so many times. We just sit around, I mean, for you to understand leading in, in our ministry when, you know, Miss Hetty Lou Brooks started this, and it was so small, and it began to grow. But see, it's just that I got my seed, and I'm going to plant it. I'm going to plant it. Even if it's like a little seed, I'm going to plant it. You've got to have faith that you're willing to plant. You, don't, you can't put your seed in your pocket. you gotta, you got to – faith is, is action, but we've had these conversations so many times we just look at all that God has done and we look at each other and go, well, it clearly wasn't us. It clearly wasn't us because we know each other and we're not capable of doing that. Now, we've got to be faithful to what God's given us to do. But we give God all the credit, big results, big outcomes, even though there's just a small amount of hope, small amount of evidence. See, faith believes big with just a little bit of evidence. And the last one, number six, the sixth element to a prayer of faith is faith often begins with nothing but ends with something. Every time. So many of our prayers begin with nothing but faith. Praying for health with no sign of it. Praying for a restoration in a broken relationship that seems so hopeless that it could ever be repaired. Praying for a prodigal it seems like the more you prayed, the worse it got. Praying for an opportunity, a job, a ministry, a miracle. And it just... And, and, you know, you may be listening today and you may say, Paul, I don't don't see nothing. I've been praying and I see nothing, 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 not anything. And I'm just going to tell you my answer to that. And I don't mean this to sound, I don't mean this in a bad way. But my answer to that is good, good for you. You know, Hebrews 11 is a verse that many of the the people up here that have been speaking this year have spoken. We've covered verse one. Our lead pastor covered verse two, talking about how they gained a a good reputation through their faith, but verse three, It says, by faith, we understand that the world's were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. They're invisible. Nothing. You don't see anything. Nothing. But just because you don't see anything doesn't mean it's not there. You're sitting here right now and you're looking at me. You don't see air. You're breathing it. You know it's there, but do you see it? How many of you ever seen three pounds of love or four ounces of justice? You've never seen it, but you know that it's real. And the way that we know that the wind is there, that the that, that air is there, is the wind blows and the leaves move in the trees and we recognize, okay, there is my evidence. There, there's the proof that it's, that it's real. Are y'all seeing this? See, all things are possible to him who believes. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith and trust in God's promises, you can't release miracles from heaven because that's the currency of heaven. And I want to challenge you you today to take your eyes off of your current circumstances, put on your goggles of faith, and begin to pray faith-filled prayers. I watch people leave their prayer rooms, and they, they, they leave them way worse than they entered them Oh, God, what's going to happen to God? And they just lay out all these problems and all the stuff instead of praying the promise and prophesying God's will over your situation and your circumstances. See, faith brings your mind and heart to a place of persuasion. And that's what has to happen. We got to get this thing right here to stop being our enemy. It has to submit to us. Submit to God's kingdom. And, and, and faith, it'll persuade you so strongly that it seems as if the desired, desired result has already taken place. It's like, it hasn't happened yet, but I believe it, so it's as good as done. It's like money in the bank. Y'all ever heard that term? It's like money in the bank. It's a done deal. God's not called us to be tentative. God's not called us to be hesitant. God's not called us to be overly Cautious or fearful or half-hearted or half-persuaded, you'll never experience victories or successful moments in your life with those kinds of attitudes dominating your thinking. A divided mind will sow terrors that will become enemies of God's promises and the miracles that He has waiting for you in His storehouse. He has a storehouse of miracles that he's wanting to release. And, and I, you know, I'm not wanting this to sound like a prosperity gospel message. That is not what I'm talking about here because I'm not just talking about natural things, physical things. We can be talking about spiritual things that you're believing God for. It's in every area of our life. But a divided mind will sow those kinds of tears in your spirits. And, and, and miracles begin with the certainty that God is present and God has a purpose a purpose in mind and then through faithful prayers we translate that purpose into the physical world by invoking god's unlimited potential and abundance into this world now i want to end with this a lot of believers when they pray here's what they sound like god i just please please god i'm begging you god i just really i really need you to move i god i need something to happen god i don't i don't know what to do help somehow help do do something that's how a lot of people pray but that's not how you pray and i want to make sure our church body and those of you listening by live stream or maybe you're listening by podcast I want to make sure you understand how God works now I want you to think about this for a minute apart from creation okay God had no help in creating the world right that was all him and in six days he did it on the seventh day he rested and no human being was involved but but apart from that There is not a thing that you can name that God has done in the earth since that point in time without the participation of a person. Think about it. To rescue man from a worldwide flood, who to use? Now, could God not just, why did God need a boat in Noah? To deliver the children of Israel for 400 years of slavery, who did He use? Moses. Well, could God not just deliver them Himself? To to save the world from sin and hell and death, who did He become? A person. Now, Any interference, any interaction from the heavenly realm, from planet heaven to planet earth is going to require a person. A person who understands in the beginning when God made the Garden of Eden, he said, I'm putting you two in charge. Subdue, conquer, take dominion, right? Multiply. <clears throat> what did God have to do with any of that? Well, God had a lot to do with that because He put, He wove all of that into the creation that He made, but it takes a human being to release it and to activate it. Because we are ambassadors with with Christ, so virtually here's the thing, God plays by his own rules, God rules in heaven, he's the HHH, that's the head honcho of heaven, that's what he is, he's the guy, but not here. Here, he put us in charge. I hear people say, why didn't God stop this, and why didn't God stop that, and why didn't God stop that, and God, why hadn't you moved, and why haven't you answered, and, and God's saying, well, why haven't you asked? Why haven't you gone into warfare? Why haven't you found it in my word and declared it and proclaimed it and fought it through? You know, Daniel, he prayed for an answer. And it didn't come and it didn't come and it was delayed, and it was delayed, and it was delayed. And then, and then finally, Michael came to him after like 29 days or so. And he said, Daniel, he said, Man, the day that you prayed, God dispatched me from heaven. But I encountered the prince of Persia, a great demonic, angelic spirit. And I have been in warfare with him these 29 days. As a matter of fact, God released Gabriel to come and participate in the battle. And they, ta- they tag teamed and he came on and met with Daniel. And he says, but, but the moment you set your heart to pray in faith, the answer was released. And so what do we do from the time that it was released to the time that it gets to us? faith-filled prayers. Faith-filled prayers. We are His ambassadors. So we're going to change the way we pray this year. We're going to stop begging. We're not paupers. You know, when young people come stay in our house, that's what I always tell them, make yourself at home. There's the fridge, there's the pantry. Get whatever you want. Now, It's no longer on me. Now it's on them. If they don't want to get in the fridge for whatever reason, that's on them. I gave them access. If they don't want to get in the pantry, it's on them. I gave them permission. You can get anything that you want in there. That's not on me. And God's done the same with us. My kingdom, my provision, all that I have, it's available to you. Now, God's not a genie in a lamp. You know, he's not our little cosmic bellhop running around doing whatever we want to do. No, he's God. He has a sovereignty. He has a will. And you're not going to get God to do anything that he hasn't first authored because that's not how God works. But if we'll pray the word, we'll find those promises and we'll stand on them and we'll persevere and we'll endure. We, we will see miracles begin to happen and that influence begin to take place. Amen? Did y'all get something out of this? Amen. Stand with me this morning. Let's pray together. And let's not pray these piddly prayers. Right? We don't have no cotton candy faith. Puffy faith. Some people got that puffy faith. That ain't gonna do you no good. Strong. Father, we thank you that we are strong. Say, I'm strong. Say, I'm more than a conqueror more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you for what Jesus accomplished for us. We thank you, God, for all these promises that you've made available to us. And Lord, we by faith pray those promises from planet heaven to planet earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and whatever is bound on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever is loosed in er- on earth will be loosed in heaven God we recognize the authority that we've been given God forgive us for not walking in it we repent of those attitudes we get our minds right we put on our goggles of faith and we go and we fight the good fight of faith in prayer this week In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.